Walt, what is going on, bro? It's been a minute, but glad to have you back, bro. Absolutely, bro. Definitely been a minute, but, you know, always glad to hop on here with you, man. Summer, we ain't, we ain't, we ain't in rap for real for all summer, but definitely, you know, excited. A lot of good football being played, so always good to chop it up with you, my brother. For sure, for sure. This is play-by-play analysis Devin Nashby on the mic So you know it's hella lit Better plug your headphones in On Apple Podcasts And we up on Spotify On Anchor 2 No parachute, we so fly We talking sports and music What's the newest? And that culture Better stream, yeah, you better tune in It ain't gonna cost ya We talking sports and music What's the newest? Got exclusives Yeah, we do this play-by-play Follow the page, eh? If you don't know, don't worry about it this is the play-by-play analysis podcast. It's your boy Devin Nash, BSK play-by-play. If you know, you know. If you don't know, don't worry about it. Football season is officially in full swing. We are now one quarter of the way through the NFL season. And the first, I guess, quarter, as I just said, the first quarter has been nothing short of insane. You know, it's always worth it waiting every year for that little six-month hiatus. It's always worth it. But this year has just been on a different level. I mean, every week it seems like it's a bunch of games that just come down to the wire. A lot of craziness both in the NFL and in college, which we're going to get to later. But we're talking NFL first because what I saw on Sunday was, it was a lot. It was a lot, you know, depending on what fan of what teams, you know, I'm not even going to worry about that sorry-ass team in D.C., so we're not going to go there yet. But we are going to start with arguably a race between two, I guess you could call them MVP frontrunners right now, in Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. That Ravens and uh, Bills game was exactly what I thought it would be, but not what I thought it would be at all at the same time, Like if that makes sense. But it it, it was a... The Ravens were up twenty to three. It's the second game in a row, not not in a row, but this the second game in three weeks that they've had like a seventeen point lead on somebody, and it got erased because that defense is atrocious, which is not something I'm normally used to as a you know as an observer of Baltimore football over the years. And Josh Allen and company walked down the field. I mean, it was a lot, but what did you take away from that game? Just from you know what being able to see it. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's becoming a theme for the Ravens early on. I, mean, I know we only four four games in, but uh, I mean, giving up two big leads like that uh, is not a great sign. Uh, I already know Harbaugh is already on the hot seat, uh, and and the, the the eyes of many Ravens fans. Um, and we knew coming into this game that the offenses you may be a little shaky just because the weather was terrible. Uh, you know they played in the monsoon. You know feeling the the, the kind of the effects of, of the hurricane. You know down down south. But hey, I mean like you said, you said the Ravens defense. You know they've been sorry, and that's what it's been, right? The Ravens are, have been known to be able to run the football, have great defenses, but this year that hasn't been the case, right? They're banged up in a secondary. But uh, when you look at the you know the game, they played just about as as you can against Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, right? Like, Josh Allen was putting up crazy numbers. Only threw for 213, was, you know, not really efficient throwing a ball in the first half. Um, but the second half, you know, he settled down a little bit and, you know, got it going on the ground. Uh, and, of course, he on the other side of that was Lamar Jackson, who is known, of course, to, to be able to extend the plays. And, um, you know, this year he looks great, you know, through the air, but struggled a little bit uh, through the air this game. Um, but... That, I gotta, I gotta, you know, tell you this theory I've been thinking about just watching the Ravens early on, and people joked about it before the season, but they said maybe the Ravens will will try to sabotage this season a little bit so they won't have to pay Lamar Jackson as much money as you know he deserves, um, and that's all I gotta say with Harbaugh's decision to you know to go for it on fourth down um, instead of kicking a field goal. Right, you know his his comments after the game didn't make a lot of sense to me because he said he wanted to trust the defense, right? But if you trust the defense, why not take the points and take the lead and, and trust your defense to get a stop, right? And at least, you know, your defense in the same situation, you keep if you keep them out of the end zone, uh, you know, you still will at least go to overtime instead of losing the game. 
Um, and Harbaugh, like I said, is on a hot seat in the, in the eyes of the Baltimore fans. But um, I just don't think that this team um, has really what it takes to, to, to threaten Buffalo, to threaten Miami, you know, barring, you know, Tua ever making a return back to the field. Um, and, and Patrick Mahomes, right? This Ravens team at 2-2, two and two, they're sitting at a good, at a good spot. But um, I'm just not as confident um, in them as I am as the other, you know, top teams in the AFC. And as great as Lamar Jackson is playing, you know, if you got a coach, you know, kind of holding y'all back and, you know, that defense don't fix what's going on, uh, I, I don't know if it'll be, a, you know, a, a huge, huge season for Baltimore, in my, in my opinion. Now, as far as your, your theory, I, I hear you a little bit, but the only thing is, is Harbaugh has consistently done this. Like, he, he did it last year. Where they lost a lot of games because he was going for the win instead of like mm-hmm. taking the points. Which, you know, for most cases, we talk about coaches that don't do it. Harbaugh, the only reason we're really upset about it is because it doesn't work. I mean, like, mm-hmm. I can always appreciate an aggressive coach when you're smart with it, at least, you know, because there's some stupid aggressive coaches out there, too. But also. Yeah, the defense, this is probably one of the worst Ravens defenses that I can remember, like, just in general. And it was not something that I thought of when I was coming into the season. I thought the secondary would be the strongest part of the team because you got all you got Kyle Hamilton that you drafted. You got Marlon Humphrey, who's an all-pro. You got Marcus Peters coming back from injury. You got all these guys. You signed Marcus Williams in the offseason. You know, I'm, I figured the secondary would be much better, but then I forgot, like, the front end, there's just no pass rush at all, you know. And as much as you, we can probably blame the defense for this one because you don't give up a 20-3 to lead in your home stadium, at the same time, the offense completely fell apart as well. Lamar, you can't throw an interception at, at, at in the end zone, you know, like, I get what he was trying to do when I saw the replay, but because it's off your back foot, like you're throwing off your back foot into the corner with an all-pro safety who's just lurking, it's just not adding up. And me personally, I'm thinking like, bro, I personally don't mind going for it on fourth and goal at the two-yard line as opposed to like, if it would have been like fourth and goal at the 20, Mm. then I've been like, what are you doing? But it's fourth and goal at the two, you figure you can get two yards and get in the end zone. I don't have a terrible problem with that call, but... To your point, this is this is becoming an issue, and this is two games at home that you have blown seventeen point leads. It's not like you blew the lead in Miami against them. Like yeah. this is two home games you've lost, and then the two teams you beat are like the Jets or the Jets, and then the Patriots. We don't know what they are. Like you gotta beat one of these contenders, you know. And Lamar's gonna get his money, even if Baltimore ain't gonna pay him. He's gonna get his money, but it's just it's just weird all around. And on the on the flip side, though, the the Bills, man, after a tough loss last week, to come back and get this W. Shout out to Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and all them guys over there. Really beat up, you know, a lot of people injured, but they came in and did what they had to do. Yeah, absolutely, man. And like you said, it's it's tough to 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 say Harbaugh made the the wrong decision because right, like if they would have scored. And let's say let's say Buffalo didn't score a touchdown, and Buffalo, you know, didn't didn't score, and Ravens win, and they were, and let's say Buffalo was in field goal range. Of course, Harbaugh maybe have been the hero, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why the coaches get paid the big the big dollars. But just in this game, right? Like your defense played as as well as this Ravens defense probably could, can play this year. If we talk about you know maybe the personnel um, up front isn't as great as we're accustomed to seeing, and they played. They played tough, right? They play, and of course the weather was a factor, and you know the Bills really couldn't unleash their offense. Uh, you know Gabe Davis was very quiet, um, but all you have to do kick that field goal, right, and give that defense a, a chance. It's harder to score. It is harder to score a touchdown, but um, instead of taking a lead, you don't come away with anything, and. The play calling was was super. Yeah, the Bills were pretty. You know, they were pretty aggressive, but like they had nothing to lose, right? Because they knew if they wouldn't have scored, they would have went to overtime anyway. Right. So like, I feel like the game the game plan would have been different if the Bills were down, and I, and that's the thing. You know, you knew the weather was bad. You knew that Josh Allen's accuracy wasn't as great as it's been. Yeah, in the second half, the offense was pretty. You know, moving the ball pretty well, 
but your defense still played solid enough to win that game. Um, and, you know, the Ravens do, like you said, they pride themselves on going for it on fourth down. Of course, fourth and short and third and short, having a guy like Lamar Jackson, having, you know, all the tight end personnel, having, you know, you know, a multitude of running backs that could run the ball. Yeah, they're, they're supposed to be a good team when it comes to that. But in the, you know, this early on in the season, they've struggled in the red zone. They've struggled. You know, what was it? Uh, two weeks ago when Lamar fumbled, fumbled the ball on the one, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they have, they've been struggling um, scoring in general. They didn't score any points in the second half. Gave up, you know, 20 unanswered. So I'm just saying, take the points. You know, you got, you got lucky enough and you had the chance to, to win the game. You had the chance to at least put more points on the board, and you know they just didn't. Right, right. Now they struggled with putting points on the board, but a team that did not struggle at all whatsoever was the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, Tampa Bay and Kansas City was the marquee matchup, Sunday night football, all that good stuff. Tampa Bay. I don't know if I totally blame them considering the week that they had in that city and in that state with Hurricane Ian just, you know, really wreaking havoc and they had to relocate to Miami and kind of got ripped out of their normal schedule. They're super banged up, all of these things. So, yes, it was a bad loss, but, I mean, part of it is these extenuating circumstances that kind of really jacked them up. But at the same Mm -hmm. time... I would. That would be a lot more of an excuse if we hadn't seen the first three games and how bad Tom Brady and the offense as a whole have looked. And I don't know if it's totally all on injuries. I think Tom Brady is really playing with one foot out the door. Like once you flirt with retirement and come, even if you come back, like in my mind, you're already pretty much retired. Like your your mind is halfway out the door. You missing workouts in the off season and you got you getting the Wednesdays off now and you 45 years old on top of all that probably gotten marital problems that we don't know about that we're kind of hearing little whispers about it's a lot of shit going on and clearly it, it's 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 having an effect on the field more than just the injuries and stuff and on top of all of that you're going up against Patrick Mahomes so it's like you know what do you take away from that Sunday night game I mean, Patrick Mahomes is, is is still him, right? Like he's still the best quarterback in the NFL. Right. Um, I mean, the young goat that I call him. I mean, the career that he's gonna have uh, is just ridiculous. Uh, I mean, his his skill set is one of one. Um, yet for some reason, coming to the season, people kind of counted him out, right? Like all the chatter that I heard was that you know the the AFC. West was this dominant, mm-hmm. uh, you know, division, um, and you know, would the Chiefs even make the playoffs? Right, is what people were saying. People were already trying to crown Justin Herbert and the Chargers before they even make a make a playoff appearance. Right, having Devontae Adams go down to to uh, you know come up to Las Vegas and having uh, you know Russell Wilson in Denver, everybody for some reason seemed like they were counting the Chiefs out. Like they haven't been running the AFC since Mahomes has, has you know, taken over. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mahomes just had to let people know. Yeah, they had to slip up last last week um, against the Colts, which is, you know, uncharacteristic of an Andy Reid team. Um, you know, Travis Kelsey was dropping touchdowns last week, but they went so early and often in this game. And Mahomes just had to remind us that he still, you know, is on the throne, honestly, when it comes to the AFC, when it comes to quarterback play in a league. Um, he's still the best. Uh, he just had to let people know that. And by and, the way, uh, he did all... it in the same stadium that he lost the Super Bowl in, exactly. like not even two years ago or whatever. Exactly. So, so yeah, he, he had a chip on his shoulder, right? Like going against Tom Brady, and I think he's going to cherish. You know, who knows that that may have been the last time those two ever play against each other. But Mahomes had to had to had to have the last laugh. Um, you know, superhero players all night, and you know this team is going to be tough to stop. Like, you know, I think you know the Bills are, are are solid. I think the Bills are are definitely you know a threat, but. Um, when Patrick Mahomes is playing this way, when he's as locked in as he is, even without Tyreek Hill, I think that the Chiefs still have enough, you know, to beat that the team to beat in the AFC. And the Bills and Chiefs do play each other in a couple weeks, so mm-hmm. you know we're gonna get another chapter in that saga. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I mean, pretty much like I, I get that Tyreek Hill is not there, and at some point I think they are gonna have to figure out like explosive elements of their offense they're going to have to figure out how to get some explosive plays but 
the style of play that they do have of this distribution of the ball to all these different people, that is a winning element. And you still do have Travis Kelsey, who's probably, who actually is, based off his numbers, one of the top five best receiving tight ends ever. And so it's like, you know, I think they're going to be all right. This, this reminds me a lot of the Tom Brady offense when in New England. Like, you know, you, you have a dominant tight end that's kind of taking a lot of the the big whatever, and then you got all these great names on the outside. Like, this is a formula that's been proven to win before with the right guy running the show. So I think they can win like this. We've seen it for the last 20 years with Tom Brady, and I and we can argue Mahomes is probably in the same tier as that. Mm-hmm. I think it's safe to say. I mean, Super Bowls aside, like, you know, he's a dynamic quarterback. If you have a great quarterback, you can overcome some inefficiencies on offense. And I think mm-hmm. it's, you know, and then their defense is even better this year, I think, than it's been in a couple of years. Because last year they were horrendous. This year they've looked better. And granted, it's had somewhat of an easy schedule to begin the season, but they've they've looked better. And yeah, so I, I like the Chiefs. Meanwhile, though, the NFC is so weak. It is such a weak <laughs> conference. Like the Bucks might be the best team just by default, and they're not even the. I don't even think the Bucks are the best team. Surprisingly, like like you said, the AFC West was supposed to be this gauntlet. You know, like all these names in here, and so far the division has been a letdown outside of Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Now, the division that nobody saw coming was the NFC least, which I guess we can retire we can retire that we can retire that nickname now because three of the four teams in that division are one is undefeated, two of them are three and one, I believe. Mm-hmm. So and then there's Washington. Now anyway, it's we're gonna talk about the top of that division though, because the Eagles, I did not expect this. Even with all the names in there, I thought Jalen Hurts was still like a year away from really being a true whatever. And there's still a lot of season to go, so it's going to be some tests that we haven't seen yet that he's going to have to pass. But damn it if that team doesn't look dominant. They look great, bro. Like, I mean, it all starts, of course, up front with them. I mean, they have a dominant defensive line. Their offensive line is great. Uh, you know, granted, they don't have a very, very difficult schedule this season, um, right. but I won't go there, right? Like, I want I want my, my Philly guys to, to tune in and, and be happy about their team because they deserve it, right, at 4-0. and Like you said, there was one question mark on his team, and it probably was Jalen Hurts. Um, even though, big fantasy football guy, I'm sure you are too, Jalen Hurts was, you Not know, really. was a, a marvel for fantasy football last season. Uh, and this year, he's picked up right where he's left off. I mean, he's a guarantee, uh, you know, Russian touchdown guy, uh, but throwing the ball, he's been pretty accurate. I mean, he has A.J. Brown, uh, a huge target with explosive ability. Devontae, Adam, uh, Devontae Smith, my fault, Devontae. Uh, sl- the Slim Reaper came alive last week, a little quiet this week, but, um, you know, they got their weapons. And then Miles Sanders, who couldn't find the end zone last season, has been great, right? He looks like a legit RB1. Um, and then defensively, you add James Bradbury on the other side of Darius Slay. Um, and then you got Devontae Maddox at the nickel. And then up front, Fletcher Cox. And then you got the rookie, Jordan Davis. So, I mean, I think the Eagles are probably the favorites to win the NFC right now. Um, you know, they do have a very easy schedule. Uh, and, but like you said, the NFC East is a lot better than people expected. Um, and we're talking about 3-1 and one with Cooper Rush and 3-1 and one with Daniel Jones. Um, so, they must be doing something else uh, with, the, with, the, with the Cowboys and the Giants. But, um yeah, man. I don't think anyone saw the NFC East uh, kind of leading away in the NFC at all. Apart, it's it's a couple of things too, though. Like you mentioned, easy schedules. It's a lot of easy schedules in that division. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of easy schedules in that division. Like, and a lot of it is based off of the fact that usually you get a schedule based off of your record the previous year. And Philly, mm-hmm. Philly was like, I think they weren't terribly good, so their schedule was like kind of weak, and then. The Giants and Washington have bad schedule, have easy schedules, you would think, as well. And one of them has taken advantage of it in New York. The other team, like I said, we're not talking about them. So, <laughs> it's like the Eagles, it's like I said, the NFC is so weak in comparison to the AFC that I think it's going to be a pretty easy schedule for, like, anybody coming out the NFC. It's just a matter of winning teams because, you know, this is the NFL. This ain't college, like. Just because you're the best team don't mean you're supposed to win all every week. You know, so 
just because it's easy don't mean that it's guaranteed wins. So like you got you still got to play who you got to play, and Philly's doing that. So you know, but the NFC East, man, people forget that used to be the the way it is now. That's that's how it always used to be. It was always a competitive division in like the two thousands and early twenty tens, and then somewhere along the line, I guess when people started retiring. I guess like when the Romos and the and the Eli Mannings of the world just started retiring and then the division just took a nosedive into the ground and I don't know where it started but like the back half of the 2010s has been horrendous but it's it's good to see it's somewhat competitive again of course the one team at the bottom that's holding everything down but yeah you know but it it is 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 it's been wild out here you know it's been it's been really crazy it's it's a lot of football to go though. It's it's a lot of football to go, and I'm excited to see where the rest of the season goes. Um, but yeah, it, it's just any any other teams and any other games that stood out in your mind for real. Um, other than my Pittsburgh Steelers being trash um, embarrassment, um, not not much. I mean, I mean, I think the 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 game of course of the week was of course everyone wanted to see. Uh, Mahomes and Brady and, and Allen versus um, you know Allen versus Lamar, but uh, Bailey Zappi versus Aaron Rodgers. I don't think anybody had that game <laughs> going yeah, over time. That was back um, well, you know, I thought the I thought the Packers were going to embarrass the Patriots, but um, Bailey Zappi looked all right. I mean, he threw the first rookie touchdown of the season, so you know maybe they're building something there. Maybe we'll have a you know RG three Kirk Cousins situation with Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones. Who knows? Right, we we will see. <laughs> you know, um, Aaron Rodgers, man, something's up. The Packers' offense, this is as bad as you want to talk about Tom Brady and the Bucks. The Packers, this is as bad as. They've looked in a while. Like, y'all are wasting a very good defense. And I hate when teams do that. When you waste good defenses, it's just so bad because eventually people got to get paid and you got to strip that defense apart. And then you, like, build the offense up just to have a bad defense again. And then it's like, what the hell is going on? This is supposed to be – you're supposed to be taking advantage of a weak division and a weak conference, and you're just not doing it. You're not doing it because these receivers are super young, which we all knew this was going to happen to a degree. Everybody keeps waiting for Aaron Rodgers to just figure it all out, and I just don't think it's going to happen because these receivers are just too young and too unproven. And then you want to talk about a Kirk Cousins and RG3 situation. This man Cooper Rush, man. This man Cooper Rush, I tell you. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just cut to the chase right now. I'm gonna tell everybody, stop it, stop it. He is doing exactly what he's supposed to do as a backup. He is winning games, and when Dak comes back, Dak is the starter. Let's stop flirting with the idea that there's even remotely a quarterback controversy in that city. There's not. Anybody that realistically thinks Cooper Rush should be in playing for Dak is, is just needs to never talk about football again. Just needs to be banned from talking about the sport ever, because. The only way this could happen is if Dak comes back too quickly, which is what I think might happen, and he gets hurt further and maybe breaks an arm or something. Then he's the starter for the rest of the year. But I don't think even that is a good scenario. Like, yeah, he's winning now, but like they still haven't gotten into the bulk of the schedule. You got the Rams next week. You got a cup because they won the division last year. They get the toughest schedule, so they they gonna have some teams. You know, you still got to play Philly twice. Like <laughs> it's. It's not as easy as people think it is. Like, let's let's calm down. Let's calm down. <laughs> I'm I'm right there with you. You know, they they just paid Dak all of that money. Exactly. So, uh, as much drama as Jerry Jones may want to stir up, there's no quarterback controversy in Dallas. Right. There's not. There's not. There really isn't. <sighs> man, man, oh man, oh man. The NFL, man, gotta love it. Even when you hate it, you love it. When you love it, you hate it. It's just, it's just, <laughs> it's just really out there. So. Yeah. We have reached my favorite part of the show, which is the big time plays of the day. It's dedicated to the special headlines of the day. And really, there wasn't a whole lot this week. Obviously, when you talk about NFL, we got to talk about the step before that. College football, you want to talk about a crazy season so far. Kansas is undefeated. How is that happening? How is Kansas undefeated? I don't know. But we're not even going to talk about them. The biggest news of the weekend 
was in Tuscaloosa and not for a good thing. We all were watching. Well, I, I figured most of us listening were watching uh, Alabama and Arkansas. And anytime you see Bryce Young go in a tent, it is not a good deal. He didn't come back the rest of the game. But because Alabama is just a factory, they, they got a dude right up just in the assembly line that they created in the lab, right up behind him in middle row, doing more than average. I mean, Arkansas made it a game at one point, but he eventually just took over. And it's just crazy because it's just like, bro, how does Nick Saban keep doing it? I just don't get it. But Bryce Young going forward is going to be something that people are going to be watching. Yeah, he's got to say, I mean, with Alabama's schedule, right, I think they play like four ranked teams in like the next four weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it will be interesting to see how, how soon Bryce can come back because, like you said, though, Jalen Milrow, I think whenever he takes the reins and it's his team, I mean, that's going to be probably my, my favorite Alabama era, honestly, because as great as Alabama's been, and we know how you know how good Tua was in terms of throwing the ball. Mac Jones put up crazy numbers. Bryce won the Heisman last year. But I don't think we've ever seen a guy quite like Jalen Milrow, right? Like Jalen Hurts was big and and strong, but we saw you know Tua take over because you know we weren't really sure if Hurts could, could throw the ball. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. This guy is. Yeah, this <laughs> I mean, dude. Like you said, it looks like he was created in the lab. And I don't want to get too crazy, but uh, you know. You know, that, that guy showed a lot of, you know, Lamar Jackson juice when he took off for that run, too. So, and that's it's going to be a fun era, man. <laughs> that's just scary as hell to think about right now. Because <laughs> I'm like, Alabama has had faces, right? They've, they've been really good at everything. Like, mm-hmm. in the early days, you know, they were like everybody else. You know, ground and pound. And you had, like, the Greg McElroys and AJ McCarrens of the world mm-hmm. who just handed the ball off and don't screw it up. You know, you, yep. you would go 15 of 19 for, like, 200 yards. Maybe throw two touchdowns. But you, you didn't do nothing stupid. Just don't mess it up. You're not the feature. You're just handed the keys to a portion. You're not going to crash it. Mm-hmm. Then, Blake Sims, who a lot of people forget, Blake Sims came in for that one year, and he kind of was like the first wave of it, where it was like, okay, this dude can run, and he can throw that rock. And it's like, okay, but he's just not quite that dude yet. Mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts comes after him, and you started to see more of it. Where it was like, I never really liked him as a passer at Bama, but like you could see something was there. Like Jalen mm-hmm. had something different, you know. And that was the next wave. Then Tua came, and Tua was the first where it was like, all right, Nick Saban is trying to tell y'all something. Nick Saban is 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 officially into the quarterback is the show now, <laughs> like mm-hmm. like. We got a dynamic passer of the football, even though he's left-handed. I've never trusted lefties. But he's a dynamic passer of the football, and you got all these wide receivers around him, the wide-out crew that he had. That was it. Mac Jones kind of was like, all right, he was back to the McCarran tree. And then Bryce Young is like the future. It's like, okay, Bryce Young is kind of everything those other guys have, but he's smaller, and you kind of underestimate him when you see him, but he's, he's smaller and whatever, but he's... Just cerebral. Mm-hmm. Milrow might be a combination of all of that. <laughs> Milrow is the final phase of this of this experiment that Nick Saban has been on. And Milrow, God bless America, if he when he gets a full offseason as the starter and it's his team, assuming that it is his team, because you know Bam would just be rolling five stars in, so he they might have somebody else on the block. But if Milrow is the guy next year. Like you said, I was watching him run that 70-yarder, and I'm like, oh, my God. They got another one. <laughs> and this one might be better than Bryce if, if he gets a full offseason to really prepare. He looked like Lamar, and I'm just like, God, I cannot, I cannot imagine a Lamar Jackson-esque quarterback in, at Alabama. I just don't even want to think about that future. It's scary to think about, bro. It's scary to think about. I was joking. I, I texted a few people when I saw, you know, Milrow playing. I was like, I may take the Jalen Milrow era over the Arch Manning era, right? Because Arch Manning, you know, before he committed to Texas, he was in a running to go to Alabama. But maybe Nick Saban and, and, and his crew knew what they were doing by, you know, letting Arch go to Texas. So it's like it'll be interesting. It's kind of like when Trevor Lawrence walked in right after Deshaun Watson, even though like Kelly Bryant was in the middle of that. But like when uh, Trevor Lawrence came in and everybody's like, oh, he might be better than Deshaun was. Uh-huh. That's what I'm thinking with Milrow. It's like, bro, Milrow is just like Bryce Young, but bigger and faster. <laughs> it's like, I don't even want to think about that. Let's not even go there. I mean, even though Georgia's putting together what they're putting together, but it's like, ugh, Lord. <laughs> 
just it's a scary sight. It's a scary sight. Yep. You know. And yeah, elsewhere in the college football world, um, it's a lot going on. Speaking of scary sights, Georgia fans gotta be scared as hell right now because last week against Kent State it was like, alright, you beat them, but they still were in that game. Like Kent State is not supposed to be competing with y'all. And it's like, alright, y'all beat them, whatever. Then, y'all go into Missouri, everybody thinks you're just going to dominate them, and we're just going to go to the next week. And Missouri was, like, really putting it on them for a second. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what got into Georgia. I know what got into Missouri, because obviously Missouri came to play. It's like, bro, the number one team coming in here, we about to pull that upset. Like, I know what Missouri was doing. What the hell is up with Georgia? Like, <laughs> they starting to feel themselves a little bit too much. That rat poison, as Nick Saban liked to say. I don't know what's going on with them. Yeah, I mean, we, we look at Georgia last year, right? Um, I don't think anybody had any doubt that they were the most dominant team uh, just because their defense was, if not the greatest college football defense of all time, I mean, they're they're right near the top. Um, and you, you had the guys going early in the NFL draft. Um, and they did lose a few of those guys. And don't get me wrong, Georgia reloads. You know, they have, you know, some some a corner that I think will probably go top 10 in the draft. And you also have another true freshman corner on the other side that will probably go top 10 when he comes out. Um, Nolan Smith, a former number one uh, college recruit, still there you know, playing DN. And, you know, they have those athletes on defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they look pretty good. But offensively, you know, they lost their number one receiver. You know, George Pickens, of course, and then, you know, their number two receiver goes to Alabama. So I wasn't expecting huge numbers from this offense, and they still are going to be limited because Stetson Bennett, right? The mailman is just – he's not a guy that's going to truly, you know, elevate the team, but he's going to, he's going to you know, like you were talking about those Alabama guys, he's a game manager. Um, he's going to do what he needs to do. and not He's not supposed to make mistakes. But they also don't have a game-breaking running back like Georgia, you know, has had right. in the past he, um, so I, I just think that offensively, they really just don't have enough yet to, to really blow out teams like they did last season. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not jumping off the, the, the bandwagon quite yet because I still think that defense can, can keep them in pretty much every game. Um, but they don't have that same spark. Um, they're not going to be, Stetson Bennett is not going to have that Cinderella story like he did last year, um, in my opinion. But I wouldn't be too worried yet. And I think they, they can kind of survive, uh, you know, these next few games. They do play Tennessee who's ranked number eight uh, in a few weeks. So I think that'll be a pretty good test for them. I was about to say, they still got to play Tennessee, Florida, and Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And I think all three of them, well, no, Tennessee's at home, but they got to play Kentucky on the road. And Kentucky apparently forgot they're not a basketball school or that they're a <laughs> basketball school. And then Tennessee is, what, number 10 in the nation. And then mm-hmm. Florida is a fraud to me, but, like, they're always just there. They're just around. Yeah. But okay, Georgia... Yeah. Ironically, like everything you said about Georgia is what I've said about Alabama. Like they don't have a true receiving threat. We don't know who the receivers are yet. The running back is kind of the star of the show. In Georgia's case, it's Brock Bowers. Like he's the and then and then whoever that monster is behind him who wears number zero. Arnold Washington. Yeah, <laughs> him him and Bowers are that offense right now. Like they, like you said, the running back is not spectacular. Stetson Bennett, like I said, he'll be working at Raising Canes when his career is over, and. Like you said, I don't know who their receivers are. I have no idea. Like, no idea right now. So, that being said, two scares, two weeks in a row, I think Kirby's got some ammo now. Now he can be like, yo, y'all are not who y'all think y'all are yet. Like, <laughs> calm it down. Like, you know, so y'all got to get it together because Bama and, and Tennessee and Kentucky and Florida ain't going to play with you. Like, it's crazy, though, to think about Missouri, man. The first year in the SEC, they go to the SEC championship, and then they just don't even get thought of after that. Like, I forgot they're even a team. <laughs> like, for the rest of the time they've been in the SEC, it's just so funny. But that's college football. You know, one week you're beating the brakes off Oregon, and then the next week you're about to lose the Missouri. So it's just weird like that. That's just how this season is gone. And speaking of which, yeah, a lot of other games. Um... We want to talk about a team that we're not sure of. I don't know what Clemson is. I have no idea what Clemson is, honestly. Because whatever they had during their little nice decade run they've had, something is not 
there anymore. Like I can't figure out what it is, but something is off. Like I feel people are gonna point to DJ Weangalale and act like it's just him, but I'm, I feel like it's more than that. Like they're, it's just like I want to believe in them, but they just it just feels off. Like I feel like they would get dusted if they played Alabama or Georgia right now, and it's so weird to think about it like that. And I know yep. DJ has played better this year, but I, he still is not quite there yet for me. I don't know what it is, but something is off with Clemson. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think it is. <laughs> they're starting to look like an ACC team, right? Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's disrespectful, but I mean, the the facts are the facts, right? The ACC got like, some good teams, though. Yeah, but, but the ACC don't really have teams that I that I look like that I look at to really compete for a national championship. I mean, I think. Every year is typically just the SEC and the Big Ten. And that's, I mean, that's just what it's been. And Clemson has been the only team. I'm not even going to include Notre Dame. Uh, you know, they've, they've just put in sorry performances every time they touch the playoffs. But Clemson has was that only team to really threaten these guys, right? Like, they, they, they beat Alabama twice. Um, and they were getting, they still do, I feel like, have the recruits, especially on the defensive end. Um, when we talk about, you know, M- Murphy and Breezy, right? Like, mm-hmm. they have legit guys on defense. And him. Um, offense. I love I love Will Shipley. Don't get me wrong. But he doesn't put fear in my heart. I know. <laughs> like those SEC running backs. Um, DJ, DJU, right? Like, mm-hmm. huge arm coming out of, you know, high school. He was supposed to be next. He was um, supposed to be next. Like, that's what I'm saying. He was the one where it's like, what we what we were talking about with Miro... Mm-hmm. That's supposed to be DJ. I'm like, bro, the, the, we saw him in them two games when 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 Trevor Lawrence had COVID, and I'm like, oh my god, Clemson is about to do it again. And then it just didn't happen last year, and then this year he's played better. Like he's way better this year than he was last year, but he still doesn't quite look there. Yeah. So I'm with you though. Like I don't, I don't know what the, how to feel about this team. Um, I know their the defense is you know, like that, inside is high, but I don't think they're a top five team. And I, and I probably can't even tell you four teams that are, you know, more than four teams that are better than them. But I just don't think that Clemson is a, is a real threat to win a national championship this year. <laughs> I will say, though, I will say, in fairness to them, I do think they're better than Michigan. Mm-hmm. I, I can't, I, you know, I can't uh, it's, you know, it's deny that either. Ohio State, I don't know. But I do think they're better than Michigan. But I, I don't know about Ohio State. They're probably not better than Georgia or Alabama. But I do think they're better than Michigan. Like they're a top four team, but they're number four. I can I can give you that. I mean, for me right now, I think Ohio State is by far the best team. Honestly, like by far the best team. Uh, I think Alabama's yeah. good, but Alabama don't have the weapons that Ohio State has. And yeah, that 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 part is true. That part is true. Alabama's defense last year. Alabama's defense was bad. Um, yeah. All those guys bit older i mean they still have probably the best player in college football and will anderson i mean he's he's un- unblockable i mean he's the most dominant player if if a team doesn't need a quarterback uh, you know I'll, I'll place a bet right now that, that will anderson should go number one um but oh he will i actually think he will like houston yeah. if houston picks number one i don't see them picking a the quarterback i think they would go with anderson I, I i would too if i'm them yeah. um but Ohio State, I mean, they're they're just putting up crazy numbers. Granted, they haven't played too many, you know, teams yet. They got Penn State in a couple weeks, but there's nobody that can cover their receiving core. Uh, I mean, we talk about you know Jackson Smith and Jigba has only played a half of a game so far. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka uh, Babuka, and Julian Fleming. Right? We talk about they got four or five star receivers. Nobody can can guard them. And then you got Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams in the backfield, and then. Oh, by the way, we got C.J. Stroud, um, who, who's getting on the football. So, right. I just don't think anybody can keep up with them offensively. Their defense is improved, still a little, still some holes, but um, I just don't really think there's a team that can can keep up with Ohio State. Maybe I could be wrong, um, but that's just kind of what I see so far. I think it's Ohio so State versus the field, honestly. I would. It would be cool to see Ohio State and Georgia play each other, possibly. Like, I would not mind that at all. Like. Those that that defense against that offense, like mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that is the matchup I want to see. Because you know, college football is different. Like defenses, most of the time in college, are bend don't break. Yep. So, unless you're Georgia, who just breaks people, <laughs> but like usually, except for last week. But um, yeah, but yeah, it's I think Ohio State has been the best. But of course, when you're playing some of the teams they're playing, like I mean, yeah, but. 
I, like you said, you can only play who's on the schedule, right? So, yeah, shout out to them. Shout out to them. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's 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 a lot going on in college, but and the NFL, they're all connected. But we got to move on to a much more serious topic under the subject of people that have played themselves this week and the biggest story in football, whatever level you're looking at. Um. Tua Tagovailoa, um, we all saw him hit his head against Buffalo. He gets up, stumbles, shaking his head, seeming to shake the cobwebs out. He just didn't look right. And somehow was allowed to come back into the game, and everybody, including himself, were saying, oh, you know, it's a back injury. Then they said it was an ankle injury. And we're like, okay, if he's saying it, they say it, whatever. Then Thursday night against the Bengals happens and he hits his head again and his hands are curled up looking looking like he's throwing gang signs and he's like down bad and had to be put in the neck brace and flown to a hospital and it it, it had everybody on the edge for a couple of days and it's just like bro the NFL really fucked up this week. It was bad, bro. I mean, it it when Tua went back in the game. Let's just go back to, to Buffalo, right? Yeah. Um, with Buffalo, when he went back in the game, I mean, I think everybody was just confused, right? And then this is before I even looked at the schedule and saw that they played on Thursday night. Um, so just the fact that he even went back in that game and didn't really hear him being in concussion protocol. Um, and you know, me playing college football, I've, I've had teammates that didn't remember where they were and played the next week, right? They, they might have even practiced on, didn't know where they were on Saturday, got knocked out cold, was back on the field practicing on Tuesday, and then will play on Saturday. And I was just like, there's no there's no way, right? And then Tua stumbled. This man got up, tried to walk. His teammates had to be like, yo, chill. Just like, you know, wait for them to come get you. Right. Then he was back after halftime and plays – and then the next week, you know, he looked okay, right? Looked okay, but it only takes one hit. And, and that one hit, I mean, it was extremely scary. Um, and the crazy part about the hit is it wasn't even like a violent hit. Like, he just hit his head. With a clean football play. Yeah. You know, like, we've seen some debilitating hits before. That was not one of them. To see his, yeah. to see his hands curl up like that was probably the scariest part of everything. Because I'm just like, what the hell? And Amazon, God bless y'all. Why do y'all keep showing that? They showed that play over and over and over again. It was ridiculous. I mean, like, having anybody relive that is just ridiculous. We know that the NFL is flawed in many ways. And we know player safety is is what they say anytime they want to seem like they're doing something good. And as much as we all watch the NFL, I saw somebody tweet, if we really care, we would probably stop watching the Thursday night game. But we know that wasn't happening. We know we were all going to continue to watch that game. As sad as it was, as, as messed up as the, the NFL has been time and time again, um, it's just, you know, I'm never surprised when they decide to to fire that doctor. But, but that, I also said this. That was that a, He's going to file, file a lawsuit against the NFL because I'm, I'm sure he's not the only one that made that call. They I'm sure somebody, he was. They, yeah. they needed somebody to be the scapegoat, to get the pressure off, to, to get the good PR on the side of the NFL and the, and the NFL PA. But well, that one doctor. It's not the only one. The in the in, in fairness, just to play devil's advocate real quick, the NFL PA were the ones that fired him. It wasn't the mm-hmm. NFL. So I think that's where it could be different, because like if the NFL fired him, then yeah. But like the NFL PA did their little investigation, got him up out of there, whatever. But the health protocols in general might just be sketchy themselves because I've seen more than one player, former player and, and one or two current who have spoken up and said like the protocol itself is stu- is is stupid. Like it's it's not even like whether people adhere to it or not is not the issue. Is as a matter of like the protocol itself. Like I remember Emmanuel Acho was floating around TikTok talking about like you can get around concussion protocol because the before they changed it because they changed it this week before they changed it. It's like they ask you a couple of questions and it'll be like basic ass questions like oh who's the president or like what what time is it or, or like uh what day of the week it is or something 
And I remember, like, Josh Cribb specifically, I remember there was an interview he had on ESPN a few years ago where he said during one of his little concussion protocol things, and this was before even the new stuff, he he looked like they asked him something like what time it was, and somehow they weren't paying attention to him enough for him to look at the clock and see that it's like 2 o'clock or whatever time that he got hit. And he was able to pass and go back in with a concussion. So it's like the protocols themselves are, are just kind of flimsy as, at best as it is. So you get that. And then things, this one is probably not going to make the news and the rounds the way it probably should. But why is J.J. Watt able to shock his heart back in place and play not even two days later? Like, the NFL is just, just left and right. It's just like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> what is, the NFL has really been showing its ass this week with these health and safety, like, the health and safety of the players. It's just been... Yeah. I read that one, and I, I, I'm just like, are you serious? And then the fact that he put, and I'm, and, and I'm playing this week, too. Like, he was, like, very, very... You know, as a matter of fact, and I'm still playing this week, and there wasn't nobody that was going to tell me any other thing. He's like, right? I'm going to just like, get ahead of this story. I got exactly. my heart shot back in place, and I'm playing. Yeah. That's it. And that was it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's just wild. I mean, and we all know, I hear it every single week when there's a targeting call, call, because it happens every single week, right? A lot of them, I, I can see why they are targeting calls, but a lot of them, I can see why it's in a gray area and people are just playing hard football, right? Because that's just how they were taught the game. That's how we all, you know, grew up watching the game and and, and began to love and enjoy the game. But that was always going to be in a weird position. The sport of football is always going to be on a weird position because these high, you know, collision plays are what drive the ratings a lot of times. Yeah, we want to see high-scoring offenses too, but at the same time, Fans love seeing people get hit hard. Mm-hmm. Fans love the warrior mentality. Fans love to put athletes on a pedestal where they're, you know, larger than life. Any superheroes where, you know, they, no matter what, we want our favorite athletes to be able to fight through injuries. And, you know, we, we call athletes soft uh, when they don't play injured. Um, so it's always this weird Not position. Me. <laughs> um, but me either. Me either because, because, you know, I feel like we understand it to a certain degree more than the average casual fan right. uh, and we look at these athletes as you know as human beings when a lot of fans a lot of people that follow sports don't really you know look at them as fans as uh you know as people but um this is you know my my advice to every athlete out there choose you first right <laughs> the money's gonna be there trust me like your talent is is gonna have is gonna make sure you get paid but always protect yourself and always choose you first because I feel like the league will never choose you. Um, you know, the coaches will never choose you. Um, they're going to they're gonna pick themselves first, so always pick yourself first because, right. hey, man, ain't, ain't nothing worth dying out there on, on, a, on a football field for it, man. Right. It's, just, it's, it's a lot of things I've been thinking about with this. And one of the main things, like, I remember with you, 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 you hit it on the head where you're like, people – chastise athletes and call them soft if they miss games for certain injuries and Mm -hmm. I really got to thinking about it and I've seen some of the stuff that they play through and it's like when you consider what some of them have played through in terms of injuries like the injuries that they're like fuck it I'm playing even with this when they sit out that's when you should be concerned because it's like you hit like Jonathan Allen for, for Washington was playing with like a separated shoulder a couple years ago. And he's a defensive lineman, so you know you you have to use your shoulders to like, you know, you rip through tackles and rip through blocks and stuff. And you're playing with like a separated shoulder. If you sit out one week, God only knows how much pain you might be in cuz it takes a lot of like intense focus to even block out the fact that you're in pain. <laughs> Like, to play through a separate... Like, you, you consider what they play through. You should be wary when they sit out. Because if they sit out, that means whatever they're dealing with is serious. Because they usually have high thresholds. Or they trick themselves into it. That's one thing. Secondly, it's like, bro. <sighs> this stuff is it's just really crazy. It's, it's, it's really, really crazy. Like, somebody mentioned on Twitter, like, a lot of people should probably think more about the fact that, like, poverty is really a driving factor to why some of these dudes risk their lives. Like, 
the fact that you know these dudes mindsets is like yo I'm playing out here to provide to provide generational wealth for my family because a lot of them are coming from these backgrounds that are like super impoverished dudes drinking out of water faucets and all type of other craziness to survive like it's it's either this or nothing like so it's like that that's a driving factor like just because they got money don't mean they're wealthy like is a difference between being rich and wealthy so there's that then the, the other thing I was thinking about people always used to get upset when people would compare NFL players in particular to soldiers in the army they're like oh it's disrespectful to say that they're soldiers because there's a whole lot of like oh yeah I'm a fucking soldier we're going to war like people get uncomfortable with those comparisons like veterans and stuff and first of all I say to that it's literally the same thing they go on to what is the equivalent of their battlefield these dudes are literally putting their bodies and in some cases their lives on the line because if you get a certain number of concussions you might develop CTE people out here shooting themselves in the head a lot of them are broke after like three years and out in the streets and stuff like just like any veteran like they're literally the same thing i don't know why y'all are upset to compare it when they literally live in the same lives y'all both got head trauma living in the street begging for money because you don't have no money no more because your employers won't take care of you the only difference is in your case you're doing it on behalf of the state they're doing it on behalf of some rich white man who's an oil bear like you know so it's the same thing but that's all i gotta say about that it's just the nfl been showing their ass this week but absolutely rough you know who else was showing their ass this week? You know, dare I say it, my employers at ESPN, bro. Um, I, I promise y'all that we don't want to see Aaron Judge while we're trying to watch football. I was, I was getting sick of the cutaways, bro. I was getting sick of the cutaways. Like, I, I love my job and I love Aaron Judge. I wasn't trying to see him while watching Mississippi and Kentucky. That was much of a better game just for y'all to keep cutting away to a dude getting intentionally walked four times in a row. Yeah. Because people were scared of him hitting the home runs. Like, he he tied the record already. I mean, I get one will break it, but he tied the record already. Like, let's let him break it in peace. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to watch my college football on a Saturday. Can you understand the, the state that baseball's in? For Aaron Judge to have y'all cutting away from college football... The power. I mean, my, my thing is, bro, too, and don't get me wrong. I, th- I mean, I think Aaron Judge is having a historical year. I mean, you know, tying Roger Maris uh, for for the Yankee record, of course. But my whole thing is, he's not chasing Barry Bonds. He's right? not. Like, it's, it's only yeah, a Yankee like, record. We're talking about him chasing being, what, sixth or fifth on all-time, you know, single-season lists, right? He's not approaching 70 like Mark McGuire, right? Like, I get it. It's huge, and probably he will stand as the home-run champ of the quote-unquote non-steroid era, right? Well, no, no, no. The thing with him is it was a Yankee record, so it was a franchise record. Like, the franchise record is 62. Barry Bonds has the MLB record. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. If it was the MLB record, I would be more understanding of it. Right. The Yankee record, come on now. I mean, John Carlos Stanton hit, what, 50, 59 home runs, I think, in a season before? Yeah, that was I a franchise record. I don't, remember them. I don't remember them cutting in and out of games. Right. But, of course, it's bigger and better because it's the Yankees, and I get it. You know, Aaron Judge, they want him because we know how Mike Trout does not love the media. We know Mike Trout doesn't want to be the face of baseball. So maybe the MLB said, oh, let's make Aaron Judge and show you Otani, you know, the phases of baseball. But like you said, Dev, we're watching football on Saturday. We we, we good. We're, we're good. We, we're, we're fine. Um, and, and the way it's going, everyone's walking Judge. We're good. He's not chasing Barry Bonds. He's not chasing a single season record right now. It's just a Yankee record. I think everyone outside of the New York Yankee fans are will want to see that. Yeah. <laughs> like people, people talk about how there's an East Coast bias. And that's exactly what we're talking about. I promise you, the good folks of Ole Miss don't care about Aaron Judge. I promise you they don't. I promise you the people of Kentucky could care less if he breaks. Because it's like, bro, it's the Yankees. Don't nobody like them anyway, first of all. <laughs> Secondly, like you said, he's not chasing Barry. He's not going to break Barry's record. You know? Like, everybody wants to make, like you said, everybody wants to make him the non-steroid era like king of baseball like even Roger Maris's son talking about he's the true home run king if he breaks the record no he's not 
Barry is the home run king, whether y'all like it or not. Unless they do like the NCAA and erase his name from the record books, he's the home run king. <laughs> like, I said this on my show last week. Like, y'all got to get over yourselves. Until they erase Barry's name from the record books, he is the home run king. Mm-hmm. Period. <laughs> like, there's nothing you can do about it. You know? So... You know, but that's all. That's all. I just, I, I couldn't deal with the cutaways. And I'm glad we don't have to deal with them anymore. Because the season's basically, it's like a day left in the season or whatever. So, yeah. At the time that this will drop. So, yeah. That 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 was funny. That I found that just hilarious. Honestly. That they kept out having the need to do that. And speaking of hilarious. I don't know if you've seen it on Twitter yet, but campaign season has been a joke for a couple of years now. Like when elections and midterms come around. But John Kennedy, not to be confused with the president that got his brains fried in the middle of Dallas, but um, the, the Louisiana Senator John Kennedy had an ad where Obviously, Republicans purposely have misinterpreted what defund the police means and have ran with their wrong meeting because they purposely want to dilute what we're trying to say when we say defund the police. This man had the nerve to say <laughs> it would it would be much funnier if this wasn't like a U.S. senator. He was like he had an ad and at the end of the ad said, if you don't like the police next time you're in trouble, call a crackhead. And, you know, it was just circulating around. And because he has that strong Louisiana accent, it made it sound even funnier. And I'm just like, come on, dog. Is this what we've come to now? Like, is this where we're at? The politics has become a, become a joke. Well, um, they always were, but even yeah, more so now. Yeah. The, the, you know, of course, led by, you know, Donald Trump's uh, campaign. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of these politicians... They do and say anything they want, um, and nobody's gonna check them anymore. Um, and uh, it's it's ridiculous, right? And like you said, it's comical as well. Um, and then you see Gary Chambers kind of like respond to it. I love Gary Chambers. His his uh his ads are hilarious too. Yes. He's uh, in Louisiana as well, but um. I think it was that uh, it's ridiculous though. I mean, I definitely, I, I feel like everybody got a chuckle out of it, but more so like a chuckle of embarrassment, of embarrassment, yeah. right? Like, what have we come to? You know, I know other countries just be sitting and watching American media and just be cracking up laughing. Like, is this really the country that thinks they're the greatest in the world? Really? This is what y'all, y'all think y'all, this is, this is like, they be laughing at American people because it's like, these are y'all leaders. The whole rest of the world can see it. Just laughing. It's hilarious. Even though some of their leaders aren't that much better. But, like, they just be laughing. Because it's just... And then, like I said, again, they've purposely misinterpreted the meaning of defund the police. I personally want them all gone. But it's like, y'all are not going to sit here and act like y'all don't know what we're trying to say. Y'all, y'all, absolutely. Nobody ever said... we Like... There's a reason people don't fuck with the police. There, like, there's a reason. Y'all have seen plenty of videos over the years, but obviously y'all think it's okay for us to be shot dead and treated like whatever we're treated like. So, you know, but that that's a whole other conversation. We've had those all the time. So, mm-hmm. the point is, bro, hopefully nobody is ever in a situation where they need to call a crackhead. That's all I'm saying. Why a crackhead, though? Like, he couldn't have said anything else. Like, hey, call your mama, call... Your your brother (laughs) A crackhead Like You know It's just funny though US politics Gotta hate it Gotta love it Gotta love it when you hate it Bad bro It is bad You know But The opposite of bad is good And this next segment Is dedicated to Something that should make us All feel good And I know You know We were talking about Baseball earlier And the cutaways Themselves Were annoying But Baseball season has been quite intriguing. There's been a couple storylines if you've really been paying attention this year. One of the biggest 
is out west. The Seattle Mariners have not made the playoffs in almost 20 seasons. That drought is now over, you know, as a result of a walk-off homer and one of the best baseball calls you will ever see. Boy, a lot of anxious folks out here at the ballpark. 3-2 to Cal. The pitch from Acevedo. So, bro, I don't know if you got a chance to hear that call. It was Dave Sims, Mariners walk-off. It was circulating around Bleacher Report and around the web, the internet in general. But shout-out to the Mariners, man. 20 yeah. years is a long time to wait for a playoff run. Yeah, I mean, 21 years is ridiculous. I mean, um, but the streak is now broken. Uh, Seattle, uh, I mean, an easy team to root for in an MLB season. Uh, and you know all the excitement uh, in that call, and you can feel the energy. I mean, when the Mariners were good and competitive, I mean, I think baseball was better, right? Like it's just a it's a fun atmosphere in Seattle. Seattle sport is a, is a big sports town, um, so it's good to have you know the Mariners, uh, you know, a team historically who you know always have I would say always usually have like one one or two guys that are always great but, but now to see them uh kind of the Cinderella story um a, a fun team to root for but um all of the emotion you could feel in that call um you know Sims definitely that, that was 20 years of, of um of you know built up call, you know what I mean yeah. and then they get Julio Rodriguez back this week as well so they yeah. get their guy back and it's gonna be fun to see you know if this team could, could make some noise in in October and that's the thing about baseball. Baseball is different than some of these other sports where, like, basketball, you know, you got to win seven games, and generally the best teams kind of win all the time. College football is pretty predictable when the playoffs come around. NFL and MLB are kind of the two where it's like, oh, man, anybody can make a run. Like, baseball is one of those wide-open sports. Like, I remember my Nationals and that miracle season in 2019. You know, I remember the Royals snuck one in a couple of years ago. You know, like... We've seen miracle runs. Seattle, don't count them out. I know people love Aaron Judge and the Yankees and all that stuff, but I've never trusted the Yankees. So, yeah, let, this Seattle team, if Julio Rodriguez is healthy and, you know, they stay healthy, like that team can make a run. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you said, of course, the Astros and the Yankees are the favorites probably in the, you know, in American League and then National League. Dodgers, Braves, of course, and, you know, maybe the Mets, <laughs> maybe, we'll see, but, I mean... I really don't trust the whole not, state of New not, York. Why not the Mariners? I don't trust the state of New York at all, the Mets or the Yankees. Like, I just think those two teams are just going to find a way to mess it up like they always do. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, <clears throat> Astros are my pick to win it all, <clears throat> but I'm not counting the Mariners out. That's all I'm saying. Okay. That would be fun. Yeah. I mean, like I said, like you said, the, that's what makes baseball postseason so much fun i mean it's just that the fact that anybody can win it on, on any given you know any given night you just need you just need two two pitching performances um to, to, to really get the upper hand in the series that's all right right and with that being said we are gonna end it on one final note and i gotta tell you marvel had one of the most anticipated movies we've ever seen in Infinity War. Then it happened again with Endgame. Then it took a couple years, but we saw it again with Spider-Man um, No Way Home. But I think that they might have outdone themselves again because Black Panther Wakanda Forever dropped its official trailer. The movie is out in one month, November 11th. And obviously, with Chadwick Boseman's passing, a lot of people were wondering how they're going to kind of approach this movie and how all the things, and there's still a lot of questions we don't know. Like, I think we all would like to believe we know who the new Black Panther will be, but, I mean, you know, Marvel doesn't give a lot of stuff away in their commercials, so, like, just because we see somebody in the, in the thing doesn't necessarily mean that is who we think it is. With that being said, did you see the trailer? And if you did, what were your reactions? Yeah, I mean, 
I, I saw the trailer a little bit earlier today, and I, I was excited, bro. I mean, like you said, it's, it's what we all been waiting for. Uh, I mean, in terms of being a Marvel fan, Black Panther was an iconic movie. It, it's truly one of one, um, and we're all ready for it. And again, of course, um, you know, losing Chadwick, uh, you know, everyone, you know, was hurt when that happened, and we're still kind of reeling in, like, with him, of course, we, we want to see the, the movie and we wanted to see the art, but, like, just kind of what he's been in terms of being that black superhero to kind of just, like, make everybody, you know, proud and just kind of, like, like, like we all can remember that. Like, that was just a historic moment, right? Like, whole yeah. family was going to go see Black Panther, and people it's was, hard to... And, people was dressing up to yeah. the theater, like, wearing full dashikis and black suits and just showing up with drums, and I'm like, bro... It's iconic, so yeah. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to kind of you know copy that again, but I'm excited for it. Um, it's gonna be very different, right? Like the trailer was all, a little bit all over the place. I remember even when the first kind of teaser came out, it was a little bit all over the place. But I'm excited, man. Like as as great of a performance that Chadwick did play, I feel like what made Black Panther special special was just like the performance by a black woman in general, right? In that movie, and now it's gonna be carried by even more black women. Um, and I'm excited to see that, um, and let's, let's just see how it goes, right? Like, I, I don't know if people will really, you know, be critical of this movie, but, like, let's, let's give it some grace, because, you know, they lost, you know, they lost the king, right? Like, it, it's gonna be tough, um, but I'm excited to see it, and I, I, I honestly can't wait, you know, I think it's gonna maybe break some records in terms of the, the amount of people that'll, that'll go see that movie, just to kind of show love, um, in honor of Chadwick Boseman, but, um, I think it's going to be a good movie in general. How about you? Yeah, I remember. Black Panther was responsible for the only Marvel film to ever win an Oscar or mm-hmm. an Academy Award of any type. Black Panther was the was the uh, responsible for that. So, this one will absolutely break records. It will break records. And I do think some people recognize the magnitude of the fact that Chadwick is not in it. And it, mm-hmm. and it will be different, so I do think people will give it grace for that reason. Um, because we, we all know. like, we, And they've... They have, you can see it even in the trailers. Like, they're acknowledging that he's not there anymore. Like, mm-hmm. So he's going to be all through that jump. But, like I said, it's a lot... Like, Marvel puts Easter eggs in their things and they, they love... like, And I like... I appreciate Marvel for that, that you don't know what you're watching until you get to the theater. Whereas some... Some trailers just give the whole movie away in the in the trailer. Yeah. Like Marvel, don't give away nothing. Like you, you get bits and pieces that you need to see to understand like what's gonna happen. But a lot of people think like we're gonna get introduced to Doctor Doom, you know, because they're reintroducing him into the MCU. A lot of people are, you know, like it, it's a lot of people think um, Killmonger's coming back. Like it's a lot of things going around on the internet about this movie, and luckily none of that has been revealed on the thing like remember how how gung-ho they were about hiding that toby and uh andrew were in spider-man so i think it's another case of that going on here so i'm looking forward to it my mom already told us that we absolutely will be going as a family so like yeah we're looking forward to it and once again rest in peace to chadwick boseman man absolutely so with that being said, we're going to end another fantastic show. Walt, has been cool. Glad we could get you. I know it was a full summer since the last time we did an episode, but thanks for making your long way to return, my brother. No doubt, man. Definitely, definitely appreciate you for having me. Gotta do it again, bro. Exactly, exactly. This year has been the Play-By-Play Analysis Podcast. It's your boy, Devin Ashby, SK Play-By-Play. If you know, you know. If you don't know, don't worry about it. We got to get up out of here. I'm going to see y'all when I see y'all. Deuces. Yes.